On this episode of Mike Up Pod, I bring in the voice of the Los Angeles Dodgers, Joe Davis. He was offered the job at 27 years old, taking over for the Vince Scully. I obviously asked him about that. We also touched on topics like what he's been up to while living in this quarantine life, his favorite stadium outside Dodger Stadium, and of course his favorite restaurants on the road and in Los Angeles, and so much more. Oh, and make sure you stick around for this week's product of the week. It's my favorite casual clothing brand. It's soon going to be yours too. Enjoy. The voice of the Dodgers, Joe Davis. Welcome to the pod, man. Appreciate you being here. For a guy who's been on the road nine months out of the year, how are you dealing with this quarantine life, man? It is weird, especially because, you know, like we were we were leaning forward towards the, the really great grind beginning where it's every day. You know, like we're, everybody's starting to check off the number of days until opening day. To go from that to absolutely nothing has been weird. I've tried to find like a silver lining in it. That is extra family time, which has been amazing. And a chance to just kind of be for once. You know, I, I really miss sports and I really miss doing the job. But it's nice for once to just kind of kick back and read for pleasure and uh, take a nap here and there. And, uh, you know, I know that this time is not going to last forever. And I know that I look back on assuming – Everybody stays healthy around me. Uh, you know, my family stays healthy and everything. I know that I'll I'll miss this time personally being at home with the family. It's the cool part too. You got two little kids, right? Yeah, three and a half and one and a half. Yeah, a couple. Yeah, so you'd you'd be on the road right now or calling games at home and and probably away from them. So that part of it is really cool, right? For sure. And even like being able to do bath time with them or put them down for bed. You know, when the team's home, I'm here until nap time pretty much and then they go down for nap and i don't see him again until the next morning so i get to see him some but then there's like that four hour segment of the night that i don't get from the end of march until the end of october that you know i'm getting right now and of course we all wish there was baseball we all wish it was normal but uh, in trying to find a silver lining it's pretty easy to find one in that let's go way back in time when you play a little bit of college football, you're a quarterback at Beloit College, right, in Wisconsin, and then you called their mm-hmm. basketball games. You're probably the first ever to have that type of arrangement. At that time, did you know you wanted to be a broadcaster as a profession? Yeah, I think that's what, and one of the reasons I've been so lucky is that I, as long as I have had thoughts of what do I want to be when I grow up? I've known the answer. I've known this is exactly what I wanted to do. You know, the recruiting pitch from the football coach was that I could announce the basketball games right away. So it wasn't just something that I did as like an extracurricular thing. I knew that's exactly what I wanted to do. Did you have enough talent to play a QB at another level? No, probably not. I mean, I, I think I could have walked on somewhere. I visited a couple Division One, smaller Division One schools, I think I could have walked down and, and gone that route, but uh, I was maybe foolishly attracted to the chance to play right away and uh, decided to go the D3 route. What age, though, did, did it hit you when you knew you wanted to be a broadcaster? Probably 10, 11, 12, somewhere in that range, and I think. What, yeah, you know, the, first it? Guy I remember really, the first guy I really remember listening to and mm-hmm. saying, man, I love that guy's voice think I might want to do this is Gary Thorne on the old NHL on yep. ESPN. Yep. And so I would have been, let's see, seven or eight years old when I first started watching hockey. 
So even, I guess, before I really knew that it was a job and that I could pursue it, I was paying attention. And, you know, just by osmosis, probably learning a little bit. Gary Thorne is the man. He still calls Oriole games, right? He does. He's mm-hmm. the man. Okay, now, prior to getting the Dodger gig, you were calling minor league games, right, for the Montgomery Biscuits. That's the greatest name of all time, by the way. <laughs> You're getting like yeah. 16K a year, right, calling these games? I was, yep, yep. It's funny you bring up that number. I was just texting with my buddy who, I don't remember exactly what led to this, but he, he we were talking about my agent and... I said, hey, you, you know, I'll hire you. You wanna, you wanna be, uh, be one of my agents too? I'll pay you ten percent commission, and I'll give you a base salary of sixteen k in honor of my first minor league job. So yeah, I was making sixteen grand a year doing Montgomery Biscuits games, but wouldn't trade it for anything. If you gave me the chance now to go back and change that path, I wouldn't because of the chance to do it every day. I mean, that's that's huge. That's what I recommend to anybody who wants to get into the business: is go do minor league baseball, where you can get a rep every single night. And even if you're, if it's not baseball necessarily that you want to do, if you want to do broadcasting, go broadcast minor league baseball because there's no substitute for those reps. What would you tell a kid, though, if he wanted to start into broadcasting and get into a minor league? I mean, literally shoot somebody an email at the minor league level? Yeah, networking is huge. And, and even these minor league jobs, it's not as simple as you shoot an email and say, hey, I'd like to broadcast your games. Mm-hmm. I was one of 140 applicants for wow. the AA Montgomery job. So it's what I would tell people is don't wait to start getting reps and building your resume. You you need to be aggressive while you're in college, creatively aggressive, coming up with opportunities for yourself to get better. So simply getting the reps and to produce that resume. And, you know, you need to nail the basics when it comes to the application and the cover letter because there's 140 of them sitting on my desk and I'm the decision maker. I'm looking for every every reason I can to throw one out. Mm-hmm. And if there's a typo or I don't like the font, well, shoot. If I need to cut it down from 140 to one, that's a good enough reason. So nail the basics. Do everything you can right now. Don't wait. Don't wait to graduate college and then say, okay, now it's time to find a job. You gotta Because it is such a great job. It is so competitive. And you got to get going right now. How long were you calling those games for? I was in Montgomery for three years. And then it was Fox Sports or ESPN? ESPN for two years after that, and then to Fox from there. So how did they find you? How did ESPN then Fox find you? So ESPN was a little fluky. There was a guy who was on work leave or injured leave from work and happened to read something about the Montgomery Biscuits, went to, was bored, so hopped on the website to buy a hat. A game happened to be going on. He clicked the listen live link, became a fan. He wasn't uh, like a hiring person at ESPN, but he worked in like their PR department. Mm-hmm. And we became friendly. And he introduced me to somebody who was a low-level decision maker at ESPNU. And one thing led to another, which led to a full-time contract there. And when I got that full-time contract, that's what allowed me to leave to leave minor league baseball and just do the TV thing full-time. And then you got the call <laughs> from the Dodgers, right? Yeah, and I still don't totally have the clear story how that happened, like how they found me, uh, I guess, doing some Major League Baseball for Fox, but i only done a handful of Major League games for them at that point. So I, I don't have a good answer for you how it happened. I'm just glad that it did. Leave it up to the Dodgers, man. You probably had some analytical advantage uh, to somebody else. <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. Whatever it is, I'm fine with it. I'm sure you were extremely excited when you got the gig, but there had to have been a, a thought ran through your mind when you're taking over for a legend like Vin Scully, who's been calling the Dodgers for 67 years, right? 
Of course, yeah. But for me, that's what made the job special and what made it one that I couldn't turn down. I think if I got too caught up in being the guy to follow the guy, I would have failed. I would have tried to be that guy. And uh, I I just don't think it was going to do anybody any good if I worried too much about that whole thing. I looked at it as more of a responsibility to carry the torch from the guy who's the greatest ever to do it and to be myself while sitting in that chair, the chair that I'm so honored to sit in. But I think to get too caught up in, in the weight of it, or at least to channel that the wrong way, would have doomed me. I was going to say, do you ever pinch yourself and sit back and think like, man, I'm the play-by-play guy for the Dodgers? Oh, it happens all the time. Uh-huh. I mean, maybe even daily, where I, certainly daily during the season, when I'm going in the booth and looking out over the San Gabriel Mountains and over Dodger Stadium and that view, getting to call that my office. But even now, like I'll be sitting around the house and something will make me think of that, that that is my title. And it's like, what in the world? Had you told me that even five years ago, I would have said, like, no way. There's just no way. This cook-off thing of yours that you share with your followers on Instagram is making you just as popular for your cooking skills and your broadcast skills. And, <laughs> and all of it makes me want to jump through the phone. But there are there ever times when you bite into that thing, you're like, oh, hell, that didn't go well? Oh, of course. Yeah, we don't post it then, though. Uh, I think the more I do, as with anything, as with anybody who cooks, the more of it you do, probably the less of those times there are. It's funny, oral Hershiser is just getting started with his big green egg, and he's had a couple already where it's like, oh, God, he said I couldn't even eat it. I got super bummed about it. But I think that's what you expect when you're first starting out with it. You're a South Pass guy. Is there a go-to place for where you buy your meat from? There's a few different places. Bristol Farms mm-hmm. on Fair Oaks I like to go to. And uh, Hector, who, who runs Bristol Farms there, takes great care of me. Howie's in San Marino, uh, Alexander's in the back there, Howie's, um, and then Whole Foods, too, and Pasadena is a, a solid one. Nice. Back to the broadcasting stuff, you're probably as polished as, as they come throughout the game, but I got to tell you, your, your walk-off calls are pretty special. I'm assuming you prepare for them for potential walk-off at-bats, right? So here's the thing. I think that I'm not smart enough to have the moment happen and properly caption it every time maybe some people are but like a moment deserves number one a caption to capture it and number two the guy doing that to get out of the way and not make it about himself so i look at it as a responsibility to nail those big moments and and to promptly and succinctly caption and capture it and get out of the way so that said because i can't have the you know the walk-off home run happen and then bam it just hits me I'm not scripting it as much as I am anticipating that it could happen and trying to wrap my mind around the bigger context of what it would mean if it did happen. So instead of it just being walk-off home run Cody Bellinger, maybe it's the 10th consecutive win or something. Maybe they've snapping a five-game losing streak. Maybe it's the three straight rookie home runs. What is the bigger context? What will this moment mean beyond just the strict play-by-play of what's happening. And using that, um, I try to at least have a word in mind or a concept in mind that can help me to, instead of just simply reacting when it happens, have some anticipation leading into that reaction. Does that go the same way for game-clinching games, like prior to going in the car? Are you are you meditating calls if they're going to clinch that day? Yeah, I think that's a similar thing. And that's another one where you don't want to, if you want to be too scripted. But I think it's the same idea. You want to be able to capture it appropriately. 
And and to do that, I think that does take some level of thinking. You ever sit back and say, oh, yeah, I nailed that? Yeah, but I also sit back and say, man, that didn't work. I tried too hard there. Mm. Or that that came off flat. You know, I apologize here for my (laughs) one-and-a-half-year-old son uh, breaking into our conversation. But, yeah, I'm really hard on myself. Um, So I think that there are probably more times where I say, man, that wasn't very good, or I could do something better than there are times where I sit back really satisfied with it. I know players can turn on highlight shows, go to their social media accounts, watch their highlights from nights or old games. Do you ever go back and listen to your calls? Always, yes. Yeah. Yep. And I don't do it to like check myself out as much as I do. I think it's important, especially on the highlight calls, to go back fairly quickly, whether that's when I get back in the driveway after the ride home from the park or the next morning, to go back and listen to the highlight calls and compare how they sounded with how I felt delivering them. So maybe I felt like I was really cutting it loose and then I listen back and it comes off as flat. Well, then I take that little bit of information and I apply it the next night when another one of those moments happens. So I think that just finding ways to be better at it, um, and that's one of them, to get that real-time feedback to yourself that you can take into the next day. And it's no different than the minors where every day is a chance to get better. I hope I never stop getting better. There's talk about opening day could very well be sometime early July. I believe it's going to be hard for a lot of these players to get up for these games without fans in the stands. What's it like for you calling games in an empty stadium? Kind of awkward, right? Yeah, I mean, I've never done it completely empty, but darn near close in the minors and some spring training games and certain major league games where there's not anybody there or not many people there. And it sucks, man. Like, it's not nearly as fun when there's not fans there. I get so much, just like the players, I take so much from the crowd when it comes to my energy and it comes to just the overall feeling of the broadcast and the vibe in the ballpark. It it feeds me. So it's going to be a weird thing. Have they told you anything about that? I mean, are they going to maybe set you up in a studio not in the stadium? I don't think anybody knows anything definitively, but I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, And no, I haven't had any kind of real conversations about what that may look like or because I don't think there are any concrete plans at this point. But yeah, that would make sense, right? If you're trying to limit the number of people that are at these games, then the technology is in place for guys to call games remotely. And I, I would hate that, but I would understand that and would not be shocked if they wound up going that route. And, I mean, think about it, an empty stadium. The players are probably going to hear you call the games. I know. So <laughs> weird, right? Uh, the silver lining aspect of things that you mentioned earlier, listen, this podcast of yours with Oral is, is really good, and I don't think you guys would come up with it if there was no season, right? We had talked about it very casually before, but never, never given it a second thought. And just figured that this would be the perfect chance for it. We were bored, and people are missing baseball. There's this huge void with no sports, so we thought we could fill a little bit of that void. And we're having a fun time doing it. Besides it giving us a little bit of purpose each week, you know, some structure to our schedule, something to prepare for, some kind of work to do. Um, it's very gratifying getting the getting the response we're getting, where it really seems like people are are truly appreciating it. We got Oral's perspective on the Astros cheating scandal on your podcast. What's your take on it? I was just caught off guard by, I don't know if caught off guard is the way to put it, but surprised that there was as much vocal opposition to what they did, like widespread vocal attack from 
other major league players. And I suppose it's justified. It's just, it was jarring because you never see that, right? It's such a, such an insular fraternity baseball is, and everybody takes care of their, other fellow baseball players inside that fraternity. But it just made it clear to me how awful it was what the Astros did, that this many people across the game felt this strongly um, that it was that bad of a thing. It, it painted it in a whole different light for me. Not not a different light, but it definitely uh, gave me a clearer picture of how wrong they were. Crazy how, how good that Dodger team was too, right, with those guys doing what they did yeah, and taking them so to seven good. games. Yeah, So good. That 17 team. I think for me, pretty clearly out of my four years doing this, the best one I've seen. Mm. And that may be best team period. And I do the national stuff too, where I get to go see the best teams across baseball each year. And the 17 Dodger team might be the best one I've seen. Mm. I don't want to let you down, but do you ever notice on the pod that every time you're signing off, you tell Oral how much you love him, but he never reciprocates? Is he playing hard to get or what? You know what's weird? Yeah. You know what's weird is that he tells me he loves me in person, like in real life all the time. <laughs> For whatever reason, he gets stage fright on the podcast. He's that kind of guy. It. I can see that. Yeah, he's that kind I'm going to bring it up, actually. Yeah, you should. I'm going to bring it up next week. You should. And and just keep saying I love you until he says it back and just don't sign off until he does. A, yeah, I think that's a good plan. Yeah. I'm going to give you some Spitfire stuff here. You ready? Okay. Yeah. Hey, it's Mike. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe, rate it, and leave a review. Let's get back to my interview with Joe Davis. Favorite city to travel to during the season? New York. Favorite ballpark? Uh, Wrigley, outside of Dodger Stadium. Mm -hmm. Favorite restaurant on the road? Maple and Ash in Chicago. Mm. Favorite SoCal restaurant? That's a tough one. I'm going to go with Scopa Italian Roots. Mm -hmm. I've seen some pictures, man. I can't wait till we get out of this quarantine jail. I'm headed there. It's so good. Yeah. So good. Uh, favorite non-Dodger player? Current? Yeah. Hmm. Not Ryu. Man, I guess that would be a decent answer now. Uh, I honestly might, it doesn't work now, but I might have said Mookie Betts. Yeah. It might actually work. Is he even officially a Dodger? Yeah, I know. I, officially he is. <laughs> I hope that it didn't wind up being a trivia question. All right. Exactly. Uh, the broadcaster, I've got a question broadcast you looked up to, but that was Gary Thorne, right? He was the first guy whose voice I loved mm-hmm. and the first guy, but the guy that I took the most from would be Joe Buck. He was mm-hmm. calling every big game really of my sports upbringing and, and still is calling a lot of the biggest games. So, um, I, I don't think there's anybody on a national level in this generation that captures and captions moments the way he does, does them justice the way he does. And he's become a, a uh, mentor to me that I, I really cheer. Pretty cool. You guys share the same network now, right? Working for the same network. Yeah. 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 There's been some pinch me moments with that for sure. Did Vin give you any advice on his last days broadcasting? He did. Yeah. And, and people ask that a lot and there's not as much interaction or crossover probably as people assume just because in 16, he was doing exclusively home games and I was doing exclusively road games. So it's not like we were ever together, um, quite the opposite. But, yeah, we have had several conversations and met several times. And his big thing to me was just be yourself. And that's the same advice Red Barber gave him when he started. And it has been, even though it sounds simple, uh, probably the most important advice I've gotten. You call football, basketball, baseball, and I think some hockey when you're with ESPN. What's your favorite to call? I say, I mean, hockey was awesome. Mm-hmm. Hockey was awesome, dude. I did uh, NCAA tournament a couple of years. That may be the single most fun thing to call 
Um, so look out, Alex Faust. I'm coming for you, buddy. Uh, <laughs> I think that I, I like to say baseball and football, 1A, 1B, whichever one I'm doing at that time. They're so different for reasons, but equally. Alex Faust, of course, the play-by-play guy for the LA Kings. Hey, with Ross Stripling being a licensed stock broker, do you ever shoot him a text for a tip on a good stock? I've not used him for that. You know what I use Ross for is book recommendations. Mm. I've sent Ross, I've, I've sent him like 18 DMs for, for stock tips. I've gotten zero back. That's funny. Yeah. got to work harder, I guess. <laughs> Maybe he responds at number 20. <laughs> hey, how good is the last dance, huh? Really good. We've, we got fully caught up last night on it. My wife and I did. And, uh, I'm, I'm learning so much that, I either didn't know or didn't remember. And just to get uh, kind of a glimpse into the true characteristics that kind of made Michael, Michael, I've really enjoyed it. Yeah. It's amazing how you can separate the superstars from the stars, right? There's just that they're, they're different. Yeah. They're just, it's just a different breed of guys, man. Non-stop yeah. Even him from it. Scotty, yeah. you know, Scotty might've been the second best player in the NBA during that era, but it, it sounds like it was it was a whole different level that Michael was on just in the way he approached things. Yeah. I enjoy asking the question, what's life like going to be in five to ten years for you if you had a crystal ball? But, Joe, I got to tell you, man, your crystal ball is pretty crystal clear. What can possibly be next for you? I feel like all your goals have, have kind of been met at such a young age. Yeah, uh, that's a good question. I mean, the dream is, I think anybody who gets into this business of course, your dream is to call the Super Bowl and call the World Series and call the College Football National Championship, call the Final Four. I don't think anybody gets into this not having those dreams. And I, I still want to do those things. I still want to do the championship events on the biggest stage. But the answer to the other side of it, the team side of it, the Dodger side of it, has definitely changed since I've taken the job. I think I, I was doing national games in didn't necessarily know if I wanted to add a team gig is kind of backwards from how most guys go about it. You know, going from a team gig to a national gig, I was already doing the national stuff, added the team stuff, thought I would like it, wasn't sure, but it exceeded expectations. And I can't picture my life now without the Dodger job. So, uh, hopefully a, a contract extension here a few years down the road, and uh, continue to do the national stuff I'm doing and, I hopefully continue to get more opportunities on that side, but and I, I'm just so happy doing it right now. You got a couple of years left on the contract. Got a while left. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to share uh, company secrets, but comfortably sitting in the middle of it. Good, good. Um, I enjoy routines. Uh, you're on the road a lot. I'm assuming you get your workouts in the mornings, right? Are they the same in quarantine? Yeah. So we went um, this winter. We were. Best investment we've ever made. We turned our garage into a gym in December. Before the quarantine, Good timing. You know, when, when my daughter had, yeah, great timing. We had no idea at the time, obviously, but it turned out to be great timing. You know, back when there were things to do throughout each day, we, my wife and I would work out at 5 a.m. together and be done before the kids got up. But now it's like, why are we hurrying up? to finish the workout so we can just sit around home all day so now we're kind of staggering them i go out there from eight to ten she goes out from ten to twelve and we kind of look at it as our break from the kids i don't want you to to take this the wrong way but i enjoy cold showers and that's usually a question i ask on this show i i take you for a guy who enjoys cold showers am i right um you know i 
I think your your mind is in the right place there, and that I enjoy any little like self improvement or life hack thing yeah. I can I can get my hands on. Yeah. I've tried it a little bit, but it's it's definitely not part of my routine. Okay, that's okay. I mean, at least you're doing it. I know people that wake up in the morning and take like a really warm shower, and when I take a cold shower in the mornings, especially after workout, dude, it's like times <laughs> ten the brain. The brain is working, yeah, like crazy. So, yeah. How about a pet peeve, Joe? You got a pet peeve? Yeah, people that get on the elevator before the people on the elevator get off and anything like that, any common courtesy things or like, did your parents not teach you? Yeah. That was quick too. Usually people think about that question. That really yeah, bothers you. No, no. Yeah. That gets me. Listen, man, I cannot thank you enough for coming on. You absolutely didn't have to, but I, I think I know why you did, because I think you've been where I am today. So I think you're helping a brother out. So uh, hopefully your fans were able to learn a little bit about you and, and uh, that they didn't know already. So uh, thank you so much, man. Happy to do it, Mike. It's good to talk to you, man. Stay uh, safe and stay sane as best you can. I hope that gave you some more insight on Joe. What a guy. So down to earth. I really enjoyed my conversation with him. You can follow his social media accounts on Twitter. It's Joe underscore Davis. And Instagram is at Joe Davis PXP for play by play. Uh, If you like food like I, you'll really enjoy his cookouts at home. That's on Instagram. Also, don't forget to listen to his new podcast with Oral Hershiser, his color commentator in the booth. It's called Off the Air with Joe and Oral. You can find it where you listen to your podcasts. Okay, folks, it's that time. Time for product of the week. I really wanted to wait on this one because it's my favorite brand of clothing. My favorite brand of clothing. I'm not sure how important that is to you, but it's crucially important to me. There's nothing that comes close to this brand of clothing like the one I'm going to introduce you to. I have six pairs of their shorts. I've got a few of their hats. And I've got a zip-up hoodie. The clothing company is called Viore. It's the best. I wanted to wait for this one, but I just couldn't because I bought their I bought another pair of shorts a couple of weeks ago, and I got them in. I put them on, and they fit like a glove. Sometimes I don't even know that I'm wearing them. That's how great they are. It's the best investment you will ever make because you will look so forward to putting their stuff on. It's ridiculous. Every time I look at that short in my closet, I can't wait to put it on. Now, listen, I I like my shorts to go just above my knees. And these shorts that I got are about an inch shorter than that. So when I put them on, I was like, oh, no. If I sit down, it's going to be kind of weird and awkward. I'm going to show a lot of leg. But they made this inline short inside the short. So when your pants are all the way up, you've got this inline like legging thing that covers everything. They've thought of everything. This is the greatest clothing line on earth. And I listen, I, I wish they were backing me up. I wish they would listen to this podcast and they'd send me a, a gift card, a short, I mean, something. <laughs> I'm not sponsored by nobody. I'm just telling you that I have a real big passion in a lot of products that I use. This clothing brand is the brand. 
This is this is the brand. This is them. Viori. V U O R I. VioriClothing.com. Go to town. Have fun. I'm telling you, man, I've got shorts that are five years old and they're in fantastic shape. Look, they might be a little bit pricey, but you're going to have them for 10 years. So they're so worth it. You look so forward to putting them on because remember, in order to look good, you have to feel good. And if you're wearing the right clothing that fits you good, you're going to feel really good. You're going to perform. I've slept in these shorts. I've went swimming in these shorts. I've worked out in these shorts. I've laid around the house in these shorts. I've gone out in these shorts. It's the ultimate utility short. So check them out, Viore Clothing. You know, in closing, I forgot to ask Joe what his favorite call was. Again, he's got a ton of great walk-off calls. I couldn't decide on just one, so I'm going to leave you with a few of them. Before that, thank you so much for making me a part of your day. I really do appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed the interview. I hope you come back. I hope you subscribe. I hope you leave a comment. I hope you get in contact with me if you have any questions, concerns. If you enjoy the show, man, there's nothing like feedback because I really enjoy feedback. This show takes a lot of work, and it's not easy. It might seem easy. And it might seem seamless and it might seem like I just jump on here and wrap out. I don't, man. I put a lot of thought into this thing. So it's fun, though. I enjoy it. I'm not complaining. I'm just telling you that it's not as easy as it seems. (laughs) There's a lot of work behind this thing. So if you can subscribe to the show, if you can share it with your friends, it'd be so appreciative because it would mean a lot to me. Until next time, folks, I am Mike Gabriel. This is Mike the Pod. Remember... No wasted days. Let's go. High fly ball to center field and deep. Back goes Hampson at the wall. It's happened. It's happened. Babe Ryu. On a 1-0 from Lopez. Bellinger hammers the ball. It's Bellinger's turn. A majestic drive from Cody Bellinger. The MVP chance rained down, and it's happened again. Another 3-2. Muncy to right towards the corner. That's down. It gets by Renfro. How fast can Corey Seager run? We're going to find out. Throw is high. Dodgers win. They find a way to do it again. Two in the eighth. Two in the ninth. 11-10, the final score.